Than a case of the clap in a trailer court. Able to shatter eardrums within a 666 mile radius. A podcast more brutal than all the rest. It's murder! Metal! Fucking A. What's going on, freaks, motherfuckers? Hell yeah, man. It's Tuesday. We know what we got to do on Tuesday night. Doing some uh, Murder Metal Mayhem here at Horns High Studios. Episode 113, guys. It's Fuck fucking yeah. just crazy how they just keep piling up. Had a little sound clip from Dog Day Afternoon, a little Attica. (laughs) Actually listened to the League's clip of the Gattaca Gattaca, that he screams out. And I was going to use that too, but I I went with the classic. So that's the Dog Day Afternoon. So... How's uh, how's everything going with you guys, man? Uh, going pretty good. Work still sucks, but yeah. gotta go. <laughs> right, right. Got bills to pay. Joey, you're yeah. picking up hours, man. Just yeah, you're just, just like working. all over it. Basically into fucking holiday mode for me. I work in retail, so sure. And you brought some gifts with you tonight for Hornside Studio, man. <laughs> I did. It's uh, fucking awesome. Horns for Hornside Studio. Yes. Uh, some goat horns. You know, we should put them on the wall there, like around Hell horns yeah. high. That would actually look kind of cool. Yeah. But they're goat horns that the dogs use, like right. for chew toys. But yep. they're actually goat horns. Right. So Says it, like, right on the package. So they're perfect so. for our fucking studio. Oh, man. I was just like, wow, that's fucking cool, <laughs> man. They sell them like that? Hell yeah. yeah. Just a bag of fucking goat horns. Yep. So we got one over here on the... Uh, the uh, Behringer yeah. with the King Diamond and the Slayer Minotaur uh, yeah, I put figurines. One over on the Dominus fucking mask. Oh, nice, nice. So yeah, they get scattered about the table. So that's fucking cool. So hell, Satan. <laughs> Last week was a great episode. We did one twelve with our feature on Charles Starkweather, guys. The Spree Killer took to the highways, killed eleven people with his uh, underage girlfriend, Carol Ann in uh, nebraska and wyoming that was crazy man yeah it got a little insane messy yeah 1958 (laughs) so kind of an old school like like a very influential case like we talked about guys with the natural born killers and and all the different movies that it inspired right quentin tarantino was like obsessed with it uh stephen king uh, a lot of very you know relevant pop culture things have spawned from that killing spree in 1958. So if you missed that, go check out uh, episode 112 on Charles Starkweather. Uh, definitely very gruesome, especially that it involved a two-year-old. Uh, that was awful. Yeah, and the way really they got, bad. that was just the worst ever. Too, yeah, man. it was. And then even you know, on top of it all, killing the two dogs, one of them snapping its neck. I mean, yeah. God damn, that's, that's, that's I mean, awful, that man. I know, (laughs) it's just fucked up. Uh, Now, we also had Dr. Catherine Ramsland on to talk about the case, uh, which was really cool from a previous interview we did with her a little uh, few weeks ago. And so that was awesome. And, uh, of course, CK called in to talk about the thrash metal band Forbidden. Fuck yeah. That was awesome. Old school thrash metal is always a good thing. 
And then, of course, we had round two of the big hell coming contest. And unfortunately, Chris. God damn it, dude. You were eliminated. <laughs> you and your listener, Rebecca, were eliminated. And uh, Rebecca's been really awesome. Uh, so she's going to get some good prizes, yeah, certainly. She is. Hell yeah. And, uh, and she actually uh, was really cool uh, when she lost. She. She responded with the email I sent her, and she responded and said, hey, you know, that's really cool. Uh, you know, I wish I would have won, but, you know, thanks for the prizes that I'm going to get. And she said uh, she wanted to get a shirt and uh, the other books of mine that she didn't Fucking already right, win. So she bought a shirt and uh, two of my other Hell books. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah that was really support, cool. Yeah. So I'm going to send her the whole package of all the stuff here once we get the posters back from ck so uh so yeah so thanks rebecca and chris of course you won last time yeah i know so I now know. it's time for one of us for other guys to win know, man so that'll be awesome uh but you can listen to that in uh, episode 112 we're just under a thousand listens coming into this one for that so go check it out uh tonight though guys we got a good one on tap man this has been on my radar since we started doing the podcast i always thought talking about Attica, Attica would oh, yeah. be a good fucking episode. Very brutal. I mean, Joey, we've done other prisons. That's what's so cool is like we've actually got a fucking handful of them. You know? We do. Like, and even and before I was always on, I think I was on for almost every one I of think those. So. I think so, too. Yeah. Which is I think neat. that, yeah, that's true. And I don't know what it is if if the other podcasters doing uh, True Crime don't do the prison riots like we've done, but yeah. we've done the escapes slash riots. Yeah. Uh, we've done, what, five or six of them I mean, already. It's and always pure Black mayhem. Dolphin. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean New, Mexico New Mexico prison riot, Chris. You it don't get much more brutal than an acetylene torch to the head. I no. mean. That's some yeah. sick shit. You can't have a situation at a prison and it not be some kind of mayhem to talk about. <laughs> right. Right. Especially, you know, like a complete ball, yeah. all-out jailbreak. As know? I always said, too, like, since we like to do obscure ones, I'd always like to cover one of the Pontiac riots just because oh, sure. that's so close to us. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, like me and Chris grew up right in the fucking backyard, basically. Fucking right. The Pontiac that's prison, true. fucking maximum security. That's pretty scary, man. Yeah, and it's like smack dab <laughs> in the middle of town. It is, so man. You drive weird. right by it yeah. like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> you wow. You can't miss it. No. It's old school, like, scary looking place. Yeah. Definitely. So uh, we've done the prison stories before, and this is going to be a good one. Going back to 1971 in New York, um, and uh, we're going to have Tex on. He's all raring and ready to go. Talk some murder uh, on the Attica prison riots with him. Of course, is his job in the uh, Department of Corrections with the state of Texas. Uh, so his perspective will be very interesting to hear. Always, uh, and he's he's anxious to do it. He's a listener of the show, so text are we're anxious to get you on here. Uh, and there were forty three dead at the end of this thing: inmates, prison staff, and even civilians. civilians yep, that's fucked up, man. So it's a crazy story, and of course we'll get into that in the murder segment. Uh, got CK. Warming up in the bullpen, throwing that 100-mile-an-hour heater tonight, <laughs> doing an old-school band. Joey, another one, Raven. Yep. Uh, yep. Definitely a band I'm not very familiar with. I know who they are. Yeah. I've heard them. but I've jammed them a bit, but yeah. never uh, been big so yeah. on them. So, yeah. so I'm always anxious to learn about something new. Yep. Um, and other heavy metal news, because there's a lot going on, some new releases. And um, so he's going to tear it up. 
uh, like he does every week. So don't miss him in the metal segment. And uh, he was having some technical issues with his cable earlier, so we're hoping it doesn't disrupt the the flow of it, but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, and speaking of metal, we have some music tonight from Raven, of course, uh, Six Feet Under and fucking Dying I Fetus, guys. So fucking a, got a little man. nasty. A good shit. Getting a little nasty uh, for the bumper music tonight. So, uh, And then we got... Round three of hell coming. Hell I love these contests because they're so much fun, dude. <laughs> hell coming has been sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's been really fun. Thanks to you know Folk and Nuts for sponsoring it. Um, CK and I are the only two left. Um, we're going to be deciding the winner tonight. Uh, I'm playing for Chris from uh, Flowery Branch, Georgia. And CK is playing for Nihilus Jello from Hollywood, California. So uh, he's a comic and, and act, a horror movie actor. So he's a trip. He's been fun through this. All, all of the uh, listeners that have participated in this have been great. And so uh, uh, good luck to both of them. Uh, it'll be fun to see how it goes. And again, folk and nuts. Uh, we got some samples here in the studio. We're going to try some of it later. And CK got some of the white chocolate yep. peanut butter from them. Uh, says it's fucking amazing. And he's real picky about his peanut butter, he said. So we'll talk to him about that when we get to the uh, mayhem segment. When we'll the great do... metal motherfucker approves. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The official <laughs> peanut butter of the great metal motherfucker. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, thanks, Brandon, at Folk and Nuts. Really appreciate it. Give me some of that CKPB. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be a new flavor, CK fucking peanut butter. I don't know what it would be, though. Metal chunks of, of right. metal fragments in it. <laughs> yeah, that's like a liability fucking yeah. nightmare, you know? All right, so huge thanks to SpellboundEffectsAndArt.com for sponsoring the show. They've been a sponsor of Murder Metal Mayhem now for a while, sending us some sickness, Chris. Hell yeah, dude. Fucking Tony's got all the, the good lamp, shit. The lamp, fucking all spike, the, shit. the forearm, all the stuff. We see it all the time on our Facebook page. So go support artists like Tony Campagna uh, and go to his website, SpellboundEffectsAndArt.com. Halloween's coming. And he's got the gore, man. He's got a contest going on right now. He's got a bunch of severed thumbs in a jar, and you got to guess which how many there are. And and you win a prize. So I entered us in the prize. Nice. Uh, I picked sixty nine. <laughs> so we'll yeah. see what happens. <laughs> so we'll see. But if I win, it's coming to the studio. So. Go. So that'll be cool, and you guys could go on there too. Yeah. You have to you have to comment on the original post. So if somebody reposted it, yeah, it doesn't count. It doesn't right? work. So you got to go to his page for it. So so go check that out. Spellboundeffectsandart.com. All right, and thanks to all you guys out there listening. Uh, we keep seeing the numbers rolling in this week. We're around three thousand. Fucking, yeah, right, Fucking a. Uh, still seeing China and Germany kicking ass on the country's listening list so hell yeah thanks guys uh we'd love to know how you heard about us because we definitely want to make sure that however you guys heard about us over there uh that we're targeting them with uh other links to the podcast because we're seeing some strange episodes getting like tons of listens uh <laughs> brutal rewind number four we did on richard crafts is currently the number two most listened to episode ever we've ever done. <laughs> and it's, it's 1,200 crazy. or 1,300 away from the number one 
The Brutal Rewind, 30 minutes of Richard Crafts. That's it. <laughs> That's weird. So however dude. you guys are hearing about it over there in Germany and China, let me know. Pete at MurderMetalMayhem.com. I'd love to know if there's a website or some resource you're catching this from because wow i don't get it but that's awesome so thank you thank you you guys hell yeah and because of our numbers i got an email saying we've been added to amazon music uh stitcher iHeartRadio, uh pandora and alexa so uh the iHeartRadio one's really cool so all of those are awesome so they're not active at this moment uh some of them may be but it takes a little time to work through the system but if you're listening to us on any of those platforms, we'd love to hear from you. And if you're not able to hear us on a platform you like, then let us know because we want to be everywhere we possibly can. So Hell yeah. So, uh, Joey, Chris, we got a lot on our plate tonight. We're going to be taking a little trip upstate New York to the harsh world of Attica State Prison and an uprising that left puddles of blood all over the all fucking place. Over, it's about to be a riot in this motherfucker. Let's start Let's a get riot. It on it. <laughs> Damn, that was some six feet under. Hells. Yeah, dude. Schizomaniacs, some killer stuff. And we got Tex on Messenger. What's going on, Tex? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Oh, yeah. It's How good are y'all to he- doing? Not too Excellent. bad. It's you said to it was Taco Tuesday, though. I hope we're not interrupting anything. Oh, no. It's good. I'm already. <laughs> it's already been done. Already, <laughs> <laughs> already been conquered. Excellent. Yes, sir. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we love to have you on, Tex, when we do these prison stories. Of course, your background in the corrections field is, is awesome. A really interesting, real perception, or, you know, perspective on this. Um, and you're a listener of the show and a longtime friend. So we've done a few prison stories so far. Attica definitely has always been on my mind when we first started doing Murder Metal Mayhem. So uh, really, really cool to have your yeah, vantage point you here, here, dude. dude. The uh, Attica prison riot uh, is an infamous riot that occurred in uh, September of 1971 at the Attica Correctional Facility in Attica, New York. It's a well-known uh, you know, story being the spark that led the prison reform throughout the United States. Over a thousand of the inmates erupted into four days of craziness that left 33 inmates and 10 of the prison staff and civilians dead gruesome story and we're going to dig into those details tonight so tex what is it about attica you think that makes it such a well-known story i mean a lot of people know about this yeah for me it's a couple of things man when i think of attica i think of uh you know i think of in the company of other uh prisons that are known for their hard time like sam quentin or alcatraz Folsom, right angola huntsville you know prisons like that Right. And the other thing is the times that this incident occurred is during the civil rights movement, right. Vietnam, all that stuff. Right. And the media coverage, you know, uh, the media had just started really questioning things about uh, how the government was uh, 
doing things at the time. So I think that's why it's so well known. Right. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I would agree with you 100%. Joey, Chris, what do you I mean? Prior to coming in and researching this one, I'm sure you guys knew of it, but what did you guys, uh, I mean, what's got you interested in talking about it? I mean, for me, it's just, yeah, I knew about it. And it's like we said, it's a very popular story, um, very newsworthy and fucking in the in the papers and the media. Right, right. Um, for me, it's just exciting for me to come do it our way, Myrtle Metal Mayhem, because all the other stories that we've talked about before, the Texas Seven or, you know, uh, the Black New Mexico Dolphin. prison, Black yeah. Dolphin. It's like everything that I know about those, even from what I read after we go through this and get each other's insights, it's right. so much cool. Learn a lot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we learn so I don't, a lot. I don't know if I necessarily went into this and... And saw too much more than what I already knew right. from prior research. But at the same time, I know that just from discussions that we're going to get into visceral conversation about, right? You know how it was. Right. Totally, Chris. What about you, man? That same basic thing, like the basic stuff. I knew it was the big prison riot in, in right. Attica, and uh, yeah, that's basically just the majority of what everybody knows right attic is a thing that happened in prison reform and shit right and like joey said you know when we bat it around we always pick up a little bit from each other and of course we got texts on here to even add that much more perspective here so i think it's going to be a good one i'm pretty excited about it so now uh it is important to understand that riots of this magnitude just don't start without a lot of problems brewing beneath the surface and we've talked about this we were talking about the new mexico prison riot uh the overcrowding issue that they were dealing with there and that was in 1980 well with attica you get a lot of things going on that helped ignite this in september 1971 as as uh, Tex correctly pointed out, you're talking about the civil rights movement is at its peak. Um, the Vietnam War is still going on. Nixon's president. I mean, there's a lot of unrest. And the prisons are certainly probably a microcosm of what's going on on the outside. I mean, would you say that, Tex? Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's just the world is just um, in a prison. It's basically just a small city, so right, yeah, all, all on kinds. its own, yeah. But are they how influenced yeah. are they by what's going on outside? Uh, today, pretty much because they, you know, they get day room time with TVs and they get right. uh, phone time. They get news and phone time, so right. Not sure about back then. Yeah, yeah. Back then they didn't nowadays, have shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Especially what they had in Attica. Like, it was- well, yeah, pretty brutal conditions, as Tex correctly points out. I mean, one of those notorious prisons when you talk about doing some hard time. Uh, they had inmates with petty crimes in the same cell blocks as violent prisoners doing life. So that's, you know, an issue. Um, you know, people were talking about being, you know, sexually attacked. I mean, brutal stuff. Um, there's also, you know, the racism issue, like being in the middle of the civil rights movement. You got a lot of black inmates, you got Hispanic inmates, um, and a vast majority, if not all the guards or corrections officers were white. They were all white. I'm because pretty, they're yeah. from upstate New York, western, very rural part of the state. Most of these inmates are from New York City and other metropolitan areas. So, Tex, I'm sure that in 1971, of course, this racial issue... Um, you know, with the way the prison population is made up and then the makeup of the corrections officers 
But is that something that nowadays is looked at? I mean, do you try to match that or at least ratio-wise? Um, I'm not really sure, but, I mean, it's not really an issue down here. Okay. Um, and we have a pretty diverse mix race of, or a pretty diverse mix of folks racially. Okay. Like males, females. Right. And I think we've learned the, the hard lessons through the years. So. Sure. And of, of course, you know the the Hispanic population down here is right. That's why I was curious if you have a lot of Hispanic. Do you have a lot of Hispanic corrections officers then? Yes. Yeah, we do. Okay, I'm sure too for the language issue, right? I mean, a lot of them can probably translate. Right. We certify a whole lot of people to to be uh, legal translators. Oh wow, right on, so, that's cool. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That's what's crazy with like <clears throat> Illinois because you get so many people that are locked up from uh, Chicago or St. Louis, you know, one of those two metropolitan areas. Right. City. And then, uh, okay, so all the, you got tons of prisons in Illinois. Illinois, per population, is one of the highest incarceration center, you know. Okay. Um, and so you get these people that get locked up from these cities or wherever, and they're basically your, most of your population of your prison. These prisons are in the middle of these fucking nowhere towns in right. Illinois on these cornfields. Who's going to yeah. be working as sure. your guards, all right. these corn-fed white boys that live right. down there? Because there's that's not the home, a, that's where they work yeah, at. So there's sure. not a huge diversity. So right. it, is, it is weird. You yeah. Know, like, how do you overcome that? But, right. Yeah, it's interesting that with the way Tex was saying how much more they try, you know, to, yeah. to, to acclimate to what's going on. You would figure that with a, a system as big as the penal system, they probably, I would imagine, move people around from prison to prison to, to help diversify. Yeah, you would right. think. You would yeah. think. All right, so Attica, built in 1931, was the most expensive prison built at the time. It was designed to house the worst inmates in New York, with six by nine cells at a capacity of 2,220 uh, inmates. So uh, they installed a CS gas system in the mess hall and other common areas to stop violent outbursts. But I don't know if that was going on in 1971. I never found that out. Oh, I don't gassing? know if anybody knows. Yeah, I don't know. But like I said, it was in the mess hall and whatever. So the common and this area, did, this yeah, didn't take place. So in maybe that they didn't need or they didn't have it where this was right. going down. But I found that interesting. I'm like, I wonder if that would have stopped it. Is that something that still goes on, Tex, with gas or anything like that to calm people down? We don't have we don't have anything installed like uh, like shower heads or anything with CS gas. But right. everybody carries gas. Oh, okay. And pretty that makes much sense. every duty post has grenades and and uh, gas guns and stuff like that. I got you. That's cool. That's interesting. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, again, if this was part of, I never heard of any reference to it other than when I watched to something about the building of the prison. Uh, the only inmate to ever escape attic, I thought this was very interesting, Joseph Mad Dog Sullivan, who died in April of 19, or did it in April of 1971. It's only five months before this happened. They had their only breakout ever. Um, he actually was a mob hitman. He got out and had somebody on the outside drive him to the bus station. He winds up getting picked up later, but that was pretty crazy. And then another notable inmate, of course, uh, David Berkowitz, the son of Sam. Um, but uh, that was, you know, many years How the ago. How did he's, he get out of there? He's not. He's. 
I don't know how the he broke it. The freaking wall around that place is insane, dude. I know. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> how like he two, got out either. He might be his own episode, like, man. That guy's pretty brutal, man. Two feet Mad dog thick concrete, 30 feet high, and then 12 feet into the ground. That's a fucking wall, bro. Yeah. 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 yeah, he might uh, He might be an episode. We'll see. Now, my dad was a parole officer in New York State. Uh, he spent some of his time training at Attica, but this would have been a few years after the riot. So I've definitely heard about this you know, around the dinner table for a long time. My dad being in that line of work, I heard a lot about it. I know uh, texts, you know, from you being in that field. I'm sure a lot of your coworkers, you know, maybe have trouble, you know, just leaving that stuff at work, you know, and I'm sure it's probably tough to not bring it home with you. Yeah. Yeah, it is. The divorce rate of correctional staff is pretty high. I don't know the exact number, but yeah. I can only imagine it's not I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Now, in 1971, the uh, prison population was 38% Attica, was 38% white, 54% black, 8% Hispanic. And of the Hispanic inmates, most of those are Puerto Ricans. Uh, There were many stories of systemic racism in the prison toward the black and Hispanic inmates when it came to selecting the inmates for their jobs in the institution. They would say that the more desirable jobs were going to the white inmates uh, versus the minorities. However, uh, the laundry, they said, was one of the more sought after jobs, and that was heavily black. So I'm not sure what they're, you know, again, you can hear this from different vantage points and pick up little things. That's why I always try to not just watch one thing. When we do these, you know what I mean? Because you hear a little different thing from one and listen to a podcast and get something totally different, you know? Right. Uh, There was a majority of Hispanic inmates that did not speak English, and at the time, Attica didn't have anything translated for them in Spanish. So this would have been a, you know, different time. Again, 1971, a lot of racial tension, civil rights movements going on. Chris, we've covered prisons. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, and everything, like... Uh, going on in the prison too like they like told would basically tell them not to sit in different racial groups and shit yeah that's right like, they would like they didn't the want to white mix. dudes were hanging out with the black dudes the guards would straight up like take privileges away from them and shit yeah call like, them names up shit like that yeah like, it was we- really weird it is like, really strange forcing them to segregate like yeah hate each other basically yeah that's not yeah. you know it's good that they're trying to mix it uh text do you see that a lot in prison still with racial boundaries like that? No, not in Texas. We uh, it's pretty much force integrated. Okay, um, that's good. We, ha- we they look at everything. Uh, we have a department named classification, and they look at all that different type of stuff and, and try to get a good racial mix. That's good. You uh, know, like the you know the military is a lot like that too. You know what I mean? It's right. Like you don't really think about it because it's just like everybody's working together and. You know, whatever. So now uh, there was an incident that happened at San Quentin Prison uh, in California involving an inmate. This is another guy that could be his episode on itself. George Jackson, who was a black author and political activist. uh, The prison said that he was killed during an escape attempt. And uh, but many of the inmates thought that he was murdered. Uh, his story is a very interesting one. I did see it. I didn't watch it, but there is a documentary about this. Yeah. Uh, so if anybody listens is interested, check that out. 
Uh, this was a well-known thing to the Attica inmates, so they knew about it. Well, and his book was really big. Right, it, it, and so this happened two that. weeks before the yeah. riot. So this was definitely on the tip of their tongues and right. definitely looked at as a big reason to kind of spark this. And Tex, when something big goes down at one institution, how much are staff aware of it and hopefully avoid problems at the other prisons? Well, pretty much, well... Without getting into too much in, into our uh, like operational procedures, of course. When when any type of major incident occurs at one of our units, there's a formal reporting system that we use to get the initial basic information out there. Right on. Um, okay. Yeah, and then that gets disseminated down to the the officers that need to know the information, so we know really what's going on and what might spark up. Right. And then uh, following all that. They do, and they have an investigatory team that goes to units and uh, gets kind of into the weeds of the incident, so we can gather all the information and implement, fix it, try to avoid the same incidents occurring over and over again. Right. So yeah, now, I'm sure this would have been handled a lot differently in 1971. I would think. Yeah, I think back in that era, um, it was probably the mentality of what happens behind the fences stay behind stays behind the fences kind of right thing. right yeah i see that i so. see that now on september 8th 1971 there was an incident with one of the guards who was disciplining an inmate he got pushed in the chest um he gets them to all go back to their cells and then those two inmates are taken and put in solitary which they called hbz one of the inmates went without a fight, but the other one fought the entire way, made a huge ruckus. The inmates got fired up, and this was what they said, at least, was their breaking point. They had had enough. Uh, they had a lot of accusations about this harsh treatment, and the guards were called that night to warn them the next day that, hey, there could be there could be some issues here. So, Joey, definitely seeing... You know, little bubbling under the surface. We see this a lot with the stories we do. Yeah, for sure. Kind of setting the stage here for something big to happen. And you know that fucking there's nothing but talk going on between the inmates about how fucking pissed they're getting. Oh, yeah. And what can we do to fucking change this? Right. But you're in the middle of a fucking, like you said, the civil rights time. and Right. It, where everything's talking about is reform and change. Right. And these people are fucking living like animals and right tired of it right and i think you know too they said that there was a, a big influx at this time of young inmates and tex i was curious well, how much of a of a decision is that in a prison of diversifying ages too because i'm sure the young ones are the more apt ones to be fighting and carrying on than the older guys yeah there it's typical that way we're kind of seeing a kind of a turnover of uh what we call convicts which is the old school right. offenders and inmates that we have now we're getting a whole lot of younger inmates and yeah that they typically do uh fight a lot um you know gamble that sort of thing right right uh, yeah and they're the all that kind of stuff so yeah, yeah i could see that i could see that i was just curious now, this is an interesting thing. At 4.20 in the morning, that was kind of a funny uh, nod to the stoners out there. At 4.20 a.m. in the morning, an inmate, William Ortiz, threw a full can of soup at a guard and hit him in the face. That's pretty fucking brutal. 
Uh, Ortiz was isolated in a cell in what they called Keep Locked. Uh, a group of inmates in A Block protested that and were somehow able to throw a switch and get him out of his when cell. They were getting ready to go for breakfast. Yeah, they, they were going to breakfast. One of the guards left the lockbox or whatever. Open, Is that what it was? And he, they just like threw the lever and it popped open. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets out and he goes to breakfast with them. And of course, <laughs> they see that he's at breakfast. They're like, what the fuck How is the he fuck doing out of his out of cell? Here. So there's a little confusion, they said, that, you know, one guard one guard is telling the other, you know, hey, we're not going to go out to the yard. We're going to take them back to their cells. And so there's this confusion. And what winds up happening is some of these inmates are stuck in a corridor with a locked door. And, of course, on the heels of what just happened with the night before, they're all fired up. They fear they it's, it's a trap, a, and they're freaking the fuck out. Yeah, they think it's some kind of revenge or whatever. Yeah, and so, Joey, I mean, is this – this seems to be at least what really set this thing off. I yeah. mean, these guys thought they were cornered. Yeah, like I said, I, I think it, it had been in the talks and it had been brewing for a while. Right. They were just waiting for, you know, uh, something to happen to set it off. Right. This was a big part of it. Um, I saw that too, where they were leading him down that corridor, you know, with the locked door, and it's like, what the fuck's oh, going on? Right, and all I kept thinking is, who knows? Maybe those inmates were right. Maybe they were about to go get taken out and fucking fucked with because we see what happens after all this is done. Right, the they, retaliation. Yeah, so I'm sure that retaliation was going on ever since. Oh, sure. Just not on that big of a scale and in the public eye, but right. In, right. in those corridors, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if that shit was going on. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah. very possible. Yeah. It's so, very possible because so we heard some bad things that had happened. Yeah, so, so it is possible these guys may have been very clued into what was really about to happen sure. to them. And I do believe, yeah, like you said, that's pretty much when shit got set in motion. Right, right. So now more guards show up to take the prisoners back to the cell, and that's when hell, hell breaks loose. The inmates break down the gate, which had the original welds yeah, on it from 1931. Yeah, that's uh, been there a while. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been no there for, for, at this time, 40 years. Um, and that led this them to the central. This is not a good central... welder, man. No, you would have done a better job, Chris. <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> uh, bone saw. Uh, that would have led them to the central control room, which is known as Times Square. And this is a central hub that connected all the cell blocks with gates that could lock so that they could isolate, you know, places, you know, or cell blocks off from the rest. But they're now in control of this. So this is similar to these other stories we've talked about where these inmates get a hold of the controls, and that's some scary shit. They've got keys from the guards that they attack. They're opening up shit. The inmates allow nine of the guards that were injured in the initial riot to be let out. So they at least did that. But Tex, are prisons today uh, set up like this with a central hub like it was at Attica? No, I think there are very few prisons that are still in operation that are set up like that. Um, okay. And certainly none of the ones that are newly designed. Sure. Uh, that that place was a, a powder keg. I looked at the design like an overhead and it was... Right. Everything's yeah. connected like this yeah. happens and it's weird is that it was built to be a riot proof prison too that was the right. weird thing about it yeah definitely that's a good point man now yeah. the inmates have control of the prison including d yard Times square and two tunnels uh they're burning mattresses they're tearing shit up they're going through what they could find to get weapons they're going to the kitchen 
uh, one podcast that I heard said that some of the inmates were using hot grease as weapons. So that you don't want sound, that on you, dude. That's like killer cage match style shit there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there were so many stuff. I think of some motherfucker running down the fucking yeah. corridor with a big vat of grease. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> There were many stories of heroism, though, during the uprising, which was interesting. I wish we would have had more time to get into some of that. But there were some inmates that hid guards and at times gave them inmate uniforms Uniform, to wear. Very tell, cool. Yeah. Prison staff that hid inmates, you know, various places to keep them from the violence. So not all the inmates participated. I mean, I know this is a shitty fucking deal. But you had about 1,200 that did, which would have left about 800 or so that did not. Oh, these motherfuckers could have gutted like 20, 30 people. Fucking well, sure. had their body parts thrown mm-hmm. all over the place. I mean, that's wanted. how New Mexico insane, was yeah. more like yeah. that. When they, they went through the fucking... The, 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 the unlocking the cells exactly. and well the, the one the inmates that are kept away you know yeah, that's, yeah. and PC, fucking yeah. Just pedophiles one one. And, yeah that was fucked yeah so this isn't quite like that that's what I'm saying these guys like really were fucking legit about what they were going about you it know. seems so there wasn't that much right it's, yeah. it's yeah. Not on inmate violence yeah. like there yeah. was in New you Mexico you can't really do this shit in a prison because obviously you can't be disruptive like that but at the same time like as far as their violence towards people, they that that was so minimum, right? On the inmates' yeah. parts, like, yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. Um, yeah. You know, and outside, you know, the prison staff are getting ready for this shit. I mean, it's just it's just nuts. Um, you know, with everything going on inside, you got forty two of the prison guards and civilians taken hostage, and outside, you know, staff is just. If trying to figure out what do we do of course they never expected this to happen right. media is a bastard yeah. right now media is going crazy chris this is a fucking scary situation with inmates taking over and i can't imagine how freaked out everybody would be in that situation you know? i thought it, i did think that it was i i couldn't imagine like you said like the guards were, like everybody being taken hostage i couldn't even imagine how freaked out they are right but i remember seeing a couple things to where they like made sure that they let everyone know this isn't a race right this is about something totally different right so everybody would come together like that right so like legit it wasn't a race thing everybody came together no you're right because there's plenty of video which shows the white and black inmates working together you know helping each other out um it was definitely like joey said i mean it seemed like they really were legitimately pissed off at how they've been treated and they wanted to protest that and they weren't doing quite the new mexico prison riots with acetylene torches to somebody's head as nearly to the scale as what was going on there there was a little bit of it there were a couple inmates i think that got raped yeah Uh, there was i think a couple inmates that got hurt injured but i don't think they killed any of mexico nothing like that right so there's a core group of these younger inmates at Attica that are very politically active. They're very vocal, and they were looked at as leaders among the prisoners. Uh, there are several of them that are speaking to inmates. If you watch the documentaries, you can see some of that. Um, you know, they were you know making demands. They had uh, Frank Big Black Smith, who was designated as head of security, to keep the hostages and the inmates safe. So they were trying their best to protect them. And a lot of the corrections officers 
they interviewed said I was treated very well. I oh, had yeah. no problem. Yeah, I didn't hear of any of them that said they were, you know, abused there or beat up. There was the whole situation on the catwalk with the knife, though. Right. And we're going to get to yeah. that with the knife thing. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, they actually made a circle around the hostages to protect them. Um, some of the docs I watched that interviewed the inmates, like you said, Chris, said there was a camaraderie between them. You know, it wasn't a race issue with them. Um, L.D. Barkley was the most vocal of the inmates. He's 21 years old, led the inmates in the uh, uprising. Um, he was ironically only a few days away from getting out, which is fucked up because that happened at the New Mexico prison riot with one of the inmates was like two weeks from getting out, yeah. and he freaked out. He was like hiding under his cot, yeah. you know, trying to fucking stay I'm away trying from trying to be part of this shit, That's just dude. fucked up. Now, Tex, I mean... The negotiations start, you know, between the inmates and the prison staff. But going back to that last point, what is it like when an inmate's that short at a prison? I mean, is he like trying his best not to fuck up? I mean, or do they put him somewhere else? Man, it depends. If they're going on parole, they act like angels. Right. But if they're doing flat time and their sentence is just ending, right? Sometimes they just act like dicks total asshole yeah total assholes until they leave oh wow so it's it's just down to the person uh interesting interesting yeah so i mean they start negotiating text and i know that nowadays it's i'm sure done so much differently but what would that have been like with this situation you know you've got it at a state level you got the local the warden and then you got the guy over him, that uh, Oswald, and of course the governor. Yeah. But how's that all kind of set up in a, in a thumbnail sketch of that? Uh, like today? Or no, I mean like at that time. I mean, I know you're not there, but yeah. I mean, how much different is it, I guess I should say, from the way you guys are probably doing it nowadays to what would have been going on back in 1971? Yeah, like back then. Uh, from what I saw in the documentaries and stuff, it didn't go very didn't go very well. <laughs> no. There was a ton of fiery language and rhetoric being thrown around by both sides. Right. And I saw a PBS interview with, uh, I believe it was Big Black Smith. He was saying that uh, when they were out on the yard, Oswald was telling them one thing, and then he'd go back inside and be watching TV, and something totally different wow. would be oh, on TV. Wow. Yeah. So it's like a lack of trust. Right. You know, you just, it's just that kind of thing. I mean, nowadays there's hostage negotiators and we all go through training for that. Um, right. And uh, there's certain protocols, which I'm not really going to get into, but sure, you never put, you never put decision makers right there where they have to make a decision at the time. Right. Because you're trying to buy, get buy time, you know? Right. So, right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Now, the inmates with L.D. Barkley write the Attica Liberation Faction Manifesto of Demands of what they wanted. Title, it man. is a long-ass title. <laughs> <laughs> it referred to the prison staff as slave owners, so really, you know, not a very, you know, uh, softly written piece. I mean, they were getting paid like 30 cents a day for working all day long and shit. Yeah. Right. I mean, Suck. that's the way it is. I know when oh, I've done... Uh, the training I've done in prisons, I mean, the inmates were getting like a dollar a day, and that right. was like a lot. Right. You know, so, yeah. uh, 
You know, it's it's still to that that way to some degree today. Uh, they had 27 demands of things like improving the food at Attica, better treatment, better visitation. Uh, and they wanted to be, you know, they wanted to be have an amnesty against, you know, or so they couldn't be prosecuted against what was right, going on over the riot or yeah. Shit, yeah. So this yeah. would be a major sticking point that the governor Nelson Rockefeller was not willing to budge on, um, and I think this seemed to be ridiculous to even ask them that. I mean, I don't know what they expected. Joey, I mean, I don't know what you think about that, but how do they possibly think that they're going to be, you know, get an amnesty for this? Well, and, and I think technically, I think there were like thirty demands or something like that, and it, or whatever it was, and they were going to meet all but two. Almost, of them. yeah, exactly. So the the prison, like the prisoners, would have gotten almost everything they wanted, but one of right. them was the amnesty thing. Right now, the the nine um, guards that they released firsthand the injured ones right one of them passed away afterwards right, right. so once that mm-hmm. happened that's when they were like fuck no you're not getting no amnesty you, right we have a death uh, because of this right so, right yeah because nope. he died two days into it right so yeah. there was never going to be an amnesty for any of those people no. because of that simple situation sure and like i said that i mean they came up with that fucking manifesto they were going to meet almost all their demands right you're in fucking prison man yeah. And take that. Yeah, I agree. I don't know how they ever thought amnesty and getting rid of <laughs> right. the warden was the other one. Right. They Wait, weren't willing to budge on those two. I mean, two. that's what you're looking at nowadays is people fucking get rid of the police or do this or right, that. Right, right. And it's the same kind of situation. It's like those are just certain things that are never going to fucking happen. Right. So it's like. Yeah. It's is that the gonna, hill you want to die on? Right. It's yeah. either going to turn into it's going to escalate now. Right. Or you're going to fucking drop the issue. Right. The people in Attica. Now you got a fucking community of people. A lot of them don't have nothing else to to lose, to lose anyway. yeah, right. So they're like, okay, and now we're this fucking far into it. Sure, no, fuck we're it. gonna go with what the fuck we want. You're gonna fucking yeah, hear us, I guess, yeah. Or something's gonna happen, right? Which it did. Yeah. <laughs> so Governor Rockefeller is repeatedly asked by the inmates to come to the prison. He refuses. Uh, he was like on vacation at some like estate of his, so the the the, right. the optics of this were pretty bad. <laughs> The head of the New York State prisons at the time was Russell Oswald. Uh, He was a prison reformer. Uh, He resisted the warden's desire to go in immediately and take back the prison. He resisted the warden's desire. He did. He did. He did. Um, But, yeah, the warden wanted to go back in and get them to fucking take the prison back over, but Oswald didn't want him to. Um, he asked the governor to come himself, but the the uh, the governor said no. So you know things aren't working out here. This doesn't help anything. Um, I also don't see you know like you said, Joey, that they're going to just give on these last two things. Right. They would have given them the rest of it. Um, you know, there's a lot of members of the press that make up a group that were trying to be kind of liaisons between the inmates and the uh, institution. But, you know, a lot of these guys were very left-wing, you know, uh, media types that are going to definitely side on the side of the inmates, which I'm not saying they shouldn't have representation, but they certainly weren't going with a mixed group to come in. Right, and I I didn't see exactly how they fucking went about this process, but I know that the committee that they pulled in from the outside um, were people that they chose. 
right. the the inmates. They right. got together and chose which right. which mediators they would allow in. Right. So I don't know exactly how that went about. Or well, I'm sure they knew which ones leaned their way. Yeah, you know, which sure. makes sense. I yeah. mean, I guess if you're doing that, you want to stack the deck. Yeah. They invited Louis Farrakhan of the Nation of Islam, but he refused to come. Uh, the Black Panthers actually showed up toward the end, and then they walked out. They didn't want to be part of this. They didn't want to. They said, I re- watched one interview with the leader of the Black Panthers who said something to the effect of, you know, he didn't want to he didn't want to sell them out. He didn't want to give in to the to the prison and he just didn't want to be a part of it. So he just left. Uh, cameras, of course, are brought in. So this is just a complete shit show. Um, and, you know, obviously everybody's getting fired up. Protesters are outside. You get the families out there. I mean, it's got to be just a chaotic mess. Um, and there was an attorney that was involved in the negotiation that said, you know, those two things that they were holding out on was just not going to fucking happen. Right. And he just couldn't believe, you know, that they would not just give that up, take the rest and move on. But these negotiations go on for four days. And as you mentioned, Joey, William Quinn, the guard that suffered a head injury, he dies. And that was on, oddly, September 11th, so two days after it started. And this, of course, becomes a big issue. Uh, the inmates, you know, refuse to let hostages go. Families are outside. The doctor is allowed in to assess some injuries. And he said that everybody appeared to be being treated very well. So, Chris, I mean, this is just a complete breakdown. After four days, they can't they can't make it happen. Yeah, well, uh, it gets a little crazy after this because they're going to come in guns blazing. It's right. going to be fucking nuts. Yeah, I mean, and, it's, it and it's going to be accusations going here and there, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. So things completely fall apart. The, inmate know, the inmates know something's about to happen. On D-yard, they begin to dig trenches and prepare for battle, basically. They had knives, other, you know, shivs and different things they and had. They, they even had, like, the football gear on and shit, Oh, too. yeah, yeah. They, were, <laughs> like they, were they took anything ready. they could find. I mean, inmates are pretty resourceful. So they're making shit out of whatever they could find. Um, the what's New York... the biggest shank you've ever found, Tex? Yeah, what's <laughs> the biggest shank you've ever found, Tex? The biggest shank is probably about eight inches. God damn. Oh, wow. God damn, that's, that's just the blade part. God oh, damn, damn, dude, for yeah. real? Wow. Yes. Where did you Where did you find that? Oh, it was in a cell. Uh, nice. They had, yeah, they had taken out part of the block and um, hit a bunch of shanks in there and then stuck the block back and, and oh, uh, wow. made like a toothpaste um mortar type so, of stuff. Yeah, to make to it look like there. the block was sold. That's uh, fucking crazy. Dude. Oh wow. Yep. Damn. Yep. That's pretty awesome. Probably a pretty good feeling to find something like that though, I'm sure. Probably good to scary. find it that way. Yeah, well yeah, I, was I was just gonna, gonna say, say scary, scary well, at the same too, time. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> like this could have been in my back, you know. Yeah, yep. that's for sure. Um so uh you know things are completely falling apart. Uh the inmates, you know, know something's about to happen. Um, and this is just, you know, going crazy. You got the state police outside, uh, ready to take it back. The tension's got to be unreal. The inmates voted on whether they should take the concessions made by the prison, and they voted overwhelmingly to refuse the Fuck deal. That. We want everything. We want all our demands. They didn't trust Oswald. Yeah. Um, and, you know, from what Tech said about, uh, you know, he's saying them, telling them one thing. 
and going on TV and saying something else they don't trust them. Well, they finally got to the point where they were like, we're not going to let you leave, motherfucker. Oh, yeah, I saw that. He was like, oh, shit. Right, now it's real. (laughs) So Texas has got to be a scary situation. There's claims that some of the Attica guards were part of the force that attacked. I mean, that's definitely very questionable, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I agree, especially when you consider, you know, all the, the carnage and destruction inside the prison. Right. The histories between the officers and the inmates, and then you throw right. in the the big equation of they killed one of their fellow or one of their fellow officers died. Right. Right. You know they it were just pissed. Fuels man. everything. Right. Very poor decision. Yeah, they should have Too took those emotions. guys and put them somewhere else and debriefed yeah. them and got them the hell out of there for sure. Exactly. Now. Four of the hostages are taken to the main command center on the catwalk and threatened to be, you know, have their throats slit if the police attacked. And of course, this would be a big issue later on, as you alluded to, Chris. We're going to get to that. Oswald felt that it was time to retake the prison at this point to protect the hostages, especially the ones with the knives to their throats. Which is fucked up. Like yeah, I mean, he's got the families outside freaking out. I saw one interview with the dad of one of the officers. Yeah. And he was fucking pissed. Yeah. He's like, just go in there and fucking get this over with. He's like, and, we were supposed to hear something at noon fucking today. Yeah, he, he was, was pissed, still, man. Yeah, was Legit. The guy was pissed. Um, he didn't want to do it. You know, uh, Oswald did not want to do this, but it just felt there was no other option. So at 9.46 a.m. on September 13th, the police attack. They first dropped tear gas uh, into the yard and then they fire nonstop with shotguns for six fucking minutes. And they fucking sent in the helicopters. You know, that was the tear gas and shit. Yeah. So these inmates knew it was going down. Everybody oh, yeah. outside knew it was about oh, to yeah. go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be fucking scary uh, because the, you know, the police have gas masks on, but the inmates, of course, don't. So there's no way to prevent inmates that were not armed or part of it to be shot. And, of course, you got 42 hostages in there. The police, you know, again, they've got the masks on. Some of the hostages said it was inmates that saved their lives by not cutting their throats. There were some very interesting things I saw, Chris, with one inmate that had a cut from the front of his neck all the way to his back. Right. And he said that the inmate was in the process of slitting his throat, and one of the snipers took him out. And he thinks he would have been killed. But there were other inmates that just had very small cuts where they said the inmate told them in their ear, I'm not going to hurt you. I just have to do this. Yeah. I'm just so, holding you here. Just, you know, that's it's like when the helicopters were going by and shit, too. So right. See I mean, the there were, like you said, Chris, you've pointed out a couple of times now, a lot of camaraderie between these guys. And as much as we look at it as an adversarial relationship, I mean, Tex, you have to, while be have the upper hand at all times with an inmate, you have to establish, I'm sure, some kind of rapport with these guys. Oh, yeah, of course, man. And 99% of the inmates are just there to do their time, serve their sentence, right. and go the fuck home, you know? Right. So it's that 1% that right. you're not going to be able to get through to at sure. it for, for anything, but, you know. It is what it is. Like, Damn it, yeah. I got to deal with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The fact that guards were part of the force that stormed the yard was noted as inexcusable by the governor after it's all over. I think that's the fucking understatement of the century. 
Uh, nine hostages and 29 inmates were killed during the attack, uh, plus the officer that died on the on September 11th, so two days after it happened. L.D. Barkley, ironically, was one of the inmates killed. He was shot in the back. He was the guy who was only days from getting out, and I saw in one of the docs I watched, he was uh, in prison for forging a $124 money order. Yep. He got out. And then had a parole violation. That's how he ended up at Attica. So that's just fucked up. But there's accounts, you know, as we've talked about, of reprisals from the guards. You know, like a a gauntlet they had to run through naked and they were beating them. I mean, afterwards, that's some fucked up shit. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah, I mean, that's that's awful and that should never happen. They were showing them like fucking... You know, stripped down naked, crawling through the fucking mud. Yeah, yeah it almost the, looked like concentration camp yeah, pictures, man. It was fucked yeah, up. Super man. scary looking. Really, really scary shit. And I'm sure, Tex, obviously, there's all sorts of disciplinary things that would happen today. But at this time, you know, like you said, it's kind of the whole what happens in prison stays in prison thing. Yeah, that, that's just the way it was back then. But, you know, I mean, now stuff like that they would get prosecuted oh yeah and rightfully so and rightfully so i mean i know you would agree with that text it's awful shit you know they said that that ld barkley kid like he was basically in a prone position on the ground and then shot in the back wow like there were certain ones that you could probably just tell they were probably like no we're gonna kill these ones specifically yeah they took that big black and i mean he was one of the main ones they tortured he was sitting there talking about how they had a shotgun to his balls you know right we're fucking beating him and all this shit i mean there's fucking videos of some of it too yeah it's fucked up no it's yeah it's not made up that's for sure now in the beginning there's false claims uh that the hostages had their throats slit by the inmates like off the bat they released oh yeah yeah right in the news like instantly and but i don't know how they thought they were going to get away with it though that that quinley dude that also i heard that uh somewhere did you hear this too that for a while the inmates thought they had got thrown out of a window or somebody that thought they had got thrown out of a window and not died from his injuries or Whatever. Yeah, I did hear something about one of I can't remember who which one it was, but I do remember but a story was, about that. It's something that didn't it happen. It was bullshit. So the autopsies, of course, show that they died from gunshot wounds and their necks were not even cut or very little, as some of the survivors had showed. Um, only one hostage had a nasty cut that needed 30 stitches. That's the one I was talking right. about right. that said the sharpshooter saved him. Uh so this false information and state cover-up was all over the fucking news. I mean, it's just like bad after bad after bad. Just they couldn't get their shit together. I wish I could remember that the guard's name, but he was shown during interviews during the Attica riot going on, and he was one of the ones that sadly died. Uh, one of the hostages. Man, I can't remember his name, but he was very outspoken, being like, yeah, this is because of all how fucked up things are, and, you know, oh, wow. we've done this to ourselves, and we need to change. And wow. But he was one of the guards, and he had, you know, the, the inmate outfit on because they gave it to him. And, yeah, like I said, I can't remember his name, but he ended up getting killed. Wow, I do know the son of the father that was going crazy outside. Yeah. He lived. He right. got out, so that was good. Um, and there were some things that changed from this, you know, calling warden superintendents and guards correction officers. You know, they tried. Uh, Governor Rockefeller. Well, they got better medical. They got because the medical was awful. 
Yeah, it was. I like mean, they, even at the scene, they didn't even have. They were, were inmates taking way too long right. to get medical treatment. It was really bad, especially when they know they're going to go in there with shotguns. I mean, what the fuck do they think's going to happen? Oh no, I'm you know? just talking about yeah. in the prison itself in right. general. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just like you said, leading up to this, it and was all really the really bad. Hospitals around that area were filled up. Because oh yeah, they weren't used it's to a rural that. area. Yeah. You know, it really and, is. In those videos of like because this is of course before cell phones before any of that kind of communication sure when those people found out that people were getting taken those hospitals you see them running off to go fucking to their cars i'm sure you know and just the panic because they've been there for three four days watching this play out oh sure and then all of a sudden there's a chance that the person your loved one is at this hospital oh right right but really you don't even know it's so fucked up wow yeah Mm -hmm. it definitely fucked up so Governor Rockefeller appoints a commission to try to figure it out. Uh, a lot of things, of course, are criticized. Uh, the weapons used, you know, a little bit overkill with deer slugs and shit like that, I read. On a, on a fucking open yard. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty fucked up. Yeah. Uh, failure for medical care, as we were just talking about, and many more. There were reforms made, things like visitations and how they scrutinized the mail. Um, that kind of eased up on him a bit. But, Chris, I'm really not sure what the best way to handle this situation, but I think if there's ever been a bad way, it's this one. I mean, God damn. You're shooting deer slugs at motherfuckers, dude. It's it's definitely not a good way to handle it. But, I mean... What do they do nowadays, Tex? I mean, how does that happen now? I mean, do they shoot, like, the non-lethal stuff at them? You know, I... Knock on wood, we haven't had anything really big happen um, right. in a long time. Um, but I mean, in my line, in my specific line of work, you know, I I deal with kind of this sort of thing, and uh, usually it's a lot of chemical agents, right. um, CS mostly, like we went through in basic or right. uh, OC, which is like pepper spray. Okay, um, and there's some non-lethal non-lethal things like beanbag rounds and stuff but right it's it's mostly chemical agents gotcha and chris i mean just not a good i mean i don't know if you wanted to add anything no, to I, it, just i ain't saying they i just think it was weird because they weren't really i guess they were threatening lives and everything with the knives but right there was, it wasn't like violent to where they're actually like rioting rioting you know what i'm saying right i mean but, after the initial stuff they were just yeah they were you know but, all together still, in the like, yard you, you got to take care of it somehow eventually right it's almost like the the waco deal it's like look you got to do something you know you have <laughs> hostages in there you right. got to take you care can, of this what way are you yeah. going to pick and both ways seem like very yeah, much you're overkill. damned if you do damned if you don't if they'd have killed yeah. the hostages they would have been right. strung up for not taking the yard back you know yeah. I, mean, I don't know how else you do it tough situation it's really fucked up i'm glad i didn't have to make the call but tex i mean what did we learn from all this craziness um some things i thought about is just basic human rights things. Right. You know, you can't warehouse humans in an overcrowded facility. Uh, you can't ignore the problems and expect them to go away. Um, you can't treat humans like garbage and, and not have it blow up in your face. Yeah, there, right. there was so many quotes problem. like, we won't be treated like animals. Oh, there were like, several yeah. references to that. Yeah, and probably the biggest thing I, I got out of it was that prisons need oversight no matter how inconvenient or intrusive it is. Right. New York went through it. New Mexico went through it in 1980. California and Texas, sure, we 
got our asses handed to us in the in the early nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, definitely uh, interesting. Um, now there was some retaliation on the other side. On September seventeenth, a bomb was exploded near Oswald's office by a radical group, the Weathermen, uh, in retaliation. Uh, in 2000, the state of New York settled a $12 million lawsuit, $8 million that went to the inmates that survived, and four to the lawyers, which uh, that's fucking bullshit. The lawyers got that much Fuck of it. Fuck them lawyers. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I get they, they put in a lot of time and they should have been compensated, but for Christ's sake. Um, they also settled with the inmates and staff that were killed. Uh, they were awarded $12 million, the families, in 2005. But it's crazy it took that damn long. Um, now, there's a group, the Forgotten Victims of Attica, that were trying to get New York to release all the documents related to Attica, but have not been successful. They only got 46 pages of nearly 600 released. So God pretty man. bad. Even the 46 pages talks about a lot of the abuse and torture that we've discussed and the retaliation of the uprising. So... A lot of stories I heard and saw about this. Very, very interesting. Very sad at the same time. Uh, no officials, of course, no officials were ever really held accountable. I mean, you get put in some report that said you were inexcusable, but yet, you know, nobody's, you know, put in jail. Nobody's that I knew of been dismissed or, you know, anything like that. Uh, just really fucked up. Just kind of swept away into a corner and. Let's move on. Nothing to see here. I mean, the best thing that came out yeah. of it is the reform that did happen. I mean, that was noticeable across the country because of this incident. Right. So that is, that's yeah. very positive, but man, it's just a fucked up way to achieve it. It is. It really is. Now, there's been a lot of books and movies about Attica. Blood in the Water is the latest book. Came out in 2016. I did not read it, but it, it looks interesting. Uh, the podcast uh, that I did listen to, I thought was pretty good. Missed History. It's two uh, women that do a history podcast. It was actually very well done. It's a two-parter. Um, and uh, it's crazy to think here we're coming up on 50 years next year on this. So uh, movies like Dog Day Afternoon with the yeah. Attica, Attica that we used. And Airheads, because Airheads is a That's parody right. of goddamn Dog Airheads. Day Afternoon. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I forgot about that one. There's been so many of them. Uh, the Ghosts of Attica was also a very good documentary. It was on Prime. I think I had to rent it, but it was very good. And it shows the afterward. Uh, Big Black, the attorney, and some of the other inmates, they yeah. go and testify, and it's pretty interesting stuff. So, Tex, anything you want to add to this one with your perspective on this? Yeah, man, like Joey was saying, a lot's happened in the world of corrections and incarceration, you know, since this incident, and a lot of it's for the better. Um, like, at least in Texas, our units are, are accredited um, by the American Correctional Association, Oh, wow. They come by every three years and, and um, make sure that we're doing stuff by their standards. Um, there's a lot of programmatic and educational opportunities for the inmates. There's a grievance system, so that if inmates have any kind of problems and they need their voices heard. Right. Um, there's no overcrowding anymore. Um, of course, with 109 prisons, how can you be overcrowded? So, Jeez, that's how many um, Texas has? Yeah, man. Damn. Holy shit. Uh, <laughs> That's a lot. 
Wow. And, you know, big Texas state. Is a big better. state. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a big state. There you go. Uh, there's better and more frequent visitation, and there's better training and education for correctional officers. Um, you know, we could we could use better pay, but you know that's a legislative <laughs> issue. Right, so, right, yeah, right. That's for sure. Uh, Joey, Chris, anything you guys want to add to this one? No, nah, I'm not. I asked my dad for a comment, but he didn't answer me. But I, he might be hunting right now. I'm not sure because he's pretty busy in his retired age. But uh, he was a, a corrections officer, or I'm sorry, a parole officer at Bedford Hills, New York, which was a uh, triple max, I think they called it, uh, women's prison, where he had some pretty notable cases. And he had done some training at some of the different institutions like Sing Sing and and uh, 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 Attica and some of the other places. Pretty, uh, you know, good background as well, but he basically doesn't like to talk about it. I've asked him to do some uh, discussion when we did the Son of Sam episode, and he just didn't want to do it. So I, uh, I'll i give him that, but I had plenty of stories growing up from his time doing that job. So I know what you do, Tex, is not an easy thing, and, of course, uh, I'm sure you do it very well. So... Thanks for coming on the show, and yeah, uh, always good to have your perspective on things like Hell this. Yeah. Love having you. Yeah, thanks there. for having me, man. Sure, of sure course. do appreciate it. It's always a pleasure, anytime. Awesome, awesome. I'm sure we'll come up with another crazy prison story oh, to do. There's like so it. many of them. <laughs> oh, so, uh, And actually, Tex, I was going to mention to you um, the, uh, the, 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 text you sent me about the texas eyeball killer oh, yeah, has sure. got me going down this <laughs> rabbit hole of fucking hell i am dude. obsessed with that dude that is so fucked up he's definitely on the list <laughs> so we'll definitely have you awesome. offer that one but i'm using his idea the idea of him in a story i'm doing uh, for my next book where i'm taking the story of the telltale heart and retelling it in modern tech, you know, modern text, and I'm using the eyeball killer as a serial killer that hunts down the last victim and buries the body under the floor and everything just like that. So I'm using Texas eyeball killer in a story I'm working on. So man, that's fucking sick. Cool. I man. know, dude. So thanks for all this stuff, and I'll definitely send you everything as it as all these things transpire. But he is definitely on the list. I'm probably figuring maybe first part of next year we'll do some Hell Texas yeah. eyeball killers. So, all right. Well, next time we're going to be featuring a notorious haunted insane, insane asylum that existed not very far from where we are. The uh, Peoria State Hospital in Bartonville is the next uh, feature we uh, that we're going to do. That puts us into hol- or, uh, October. October. It does. <laughs> it does. And we wanted to do creepy shit for October. And this is definitely one a very wicked story of absolute horrific things they did to treat mental health. We're talking like locking people up, freezing them, shocking them with insulin to get their sugar to go crazy. And then this is a normal day, bro. Yeah. (laughs) Well, this is some crazy (laughs) shit here Um, and definitely going to be be a fun one to talk about. I've spent a lot of time at that place. I wrote my first two books uh, or my first two novels about that location. I toured it. I worked in the tunnels beneath it prior to that. I've spent a lot of time invested in this story and definitely interested to bring it to the table. 
We're going to have Brian Ward in here, the oh, guy behind gonna be able to make it? Dark History. Yeah. As far as I could tell, Brian yeah, Brian. Ward is also a corrections officer uh, here in Illinois, and Brian is a friend that uh, does the Dark History and Horror Convention, and he's going to come in and talk with us about the uh, Peoria State Hospital, so that should be awesome. Cool. And he's been in here before. He's a lot of fun. He's got some really wicked serial killer tats. Text. He's got like Gacy, Dahmer, Son of Sam. It's pretty crazy stuff. Uh, very, very realistic looking. Uh, so we've done our fair share of murder tonight. I hear yes, that familiar have. music. CK ready to do uh, his thing. So, Joey, what do we need to do? Let's get our metal on. Nice. <laughs> Later, fucking text. Later, text. Later, man. Thank See you, y'all. dude. Bye. Known the world over as the master of metal, the crusher of posers. And Murder Metal Mayhem's knower of all things metal, hailing from Wild Man Street in Danbury, Connecticut, standing at six feet of brutal punishing madness, weighing in at 220 pounds of poser pulverization. The one, the only, toughest bastard on the planet, Chris C.K. Kovac! motherfucker right <laughs> great metal motherfucker what's up ck what's going on guys ck the fucking clit killer <laughs> <laughs> we're tearing it the fuck up over here talking about some attica prison riot shit <laughs> and it's uh it's pretty crazy so we had tex on had a good time talking about that with him and now he's hit that dusty trail and doing his thing back there in Texas. We got you. We're trans fucking. We're just we're all over the continent. We're all over baby. the fucking continent. We're in the <laughs> CK talking from Danbury, Connecticut. And so uh, good to have you on, CK. Always in the metal segment is when you enter the show. We got bros yes, in different do. area codes. That's ah. right. That's right. <laughs> so that was a good uh, one. you picked a good band to do tonight, I think. A band that I don't know anything about, really. So I'm anxious to kind of learn something new. Um, been jamming the shit out of, I gotta tell you, because anytime I hear you mention hey, you gotta something, to Zach Sabbath, to. holy shit, man. <laughs> yeah. That is some badass shit there. I'm yeah, pretty it's impressed. A, it's, um, it's a, it, it's a great, it, he does a nice little tribute to Sabbath. And yeah. again, like I said, the album that came out a couple weeks ago is only available physically. Right. Um, so. Yeah, I was bummed about that because I don't have it, but, uh, but it was really good to listen to what I could hear. And so I always appreciate, and I know our listeners do too, we've had so many compliments over the years doing this of uh, people that have turned on to a band because of you. So what are you about to bestow upon us tonight, Great Metal Motherfucker? Uh, founding, probably one of the founding members of the, of the scene for the new wave of British heavy metal. One of the earlier bands... Um, not well, not as well known as some, like obviously as Maiden and and Def Leppard and Angel Witch and all those, but um, Raven. Okay, very cool, old school for sure. Um, they were formed in 1974, Newcastle, England. God damn! And for and for the most part, it's been um, the Gallagher brothers. With um, John John Gallagher and Mark Gallagher, we're playing uh, John Gallagher and Dying Fetus on the bumper music tonight. 
Yes, we are. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's no, no, right. Not, not, different, different Gallagher. <laughs> different <laughs> John Gallagher. <laughs> little, 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 little older. Uh, yeah, so it's, they've been. It's pretty much been a three-piece, and the earlier in the career when when they were first starting out, they had a couple of different band members, but for the most part, earlier on, it was John and Mark Gallagher, and drummer Rob Wacko Hunter. Wacko. Yeah, he um, he used to do some crazy shit. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, um, and again, they got to start in 1974. They were originally, you know, uh, a metal band with maybe a little bit of progressive roots. And eventually, you know, they started to add what would become speed metal or thrash metal elements to their sound. And, you know, um, it was 1980... I believe they first released their first album, first single. And they weren't well-known in America. In fact, I, I don't think their first two albums were available in America when they first came out because oh, wow. I, I, I never saw them. Huh. I mean, I've heard of these guys, but I never saw their albums in, in any record stores. This was before, you know, it was 1980, so I was like 12 or 13, so it was like way before the Phoenix Records years before I, oh, came, yeah. before I started getting there. That was the shit, um, dude. That yeah. was the shit. That could almost be an episode about the professor. Oh man. yeah, that'd be great. They basically were like fucking Iron Maiden or get the fuck out back then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean Re- Record World or whatever it was after that, the Wall was called after and something else. They always had their little import section of metal, and right. you could find some good bands. But this, but for some reason. The um, the Raven albums never made it to, at least, in the area of Danbury, as far as I knew. Huh. So um, yeah, they they signed with Neat Records, which was the same label that signed most of the new wave of British heavy metal bands, you know, Venom, um, those bands, and they released their first two albums, like in 80, 80, 81. 81 and 82, they released Rock Till You Drop, which was their debut, and Wiped Out, which was their second album. And, um, you know, they, they influenced bands like Metallica um, with the speed. And it wasn't called, obviously it wasn't called Thrash back then, but it wasn't even called Speed Metal back then. They termed it as Athletic Rock. Because of the aggr- athletic rock, well, well, for for one or two reasons, for the aggressiveness that they played with, right, and they would beat the shit out of each other on stage. As far as you know, they would throw themselves into their instruments. Um, and, uh, so you need a lot of cardio. So athletic rock, yeah, and and you know, Wacko would use his head to like fucking hit his crash cymbals. Eventually, to the point where like Wacko started wearing a, a hockey mask. Of <laughs> uh, the members of the band started wearing like shin, like protect, like shin protectors, like, arm right, protectors, or something like that. Still about the violence, but I'm really fucking my shit up, dude. I gotta do <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah. Um. And eventually, they were signed to um, Megaforce Records, which ironically was the same label that signed Metallica. And, Interesting. And who happened to bring Metallica out on the first tour of the USA? Raven. Raven. It was it was called because their new album was called All for One. Was the third album, 
and Metallica was called Kill 'Em All. It was the all-for-one Kill 'Em All tour. Really? With Anthrax as the first, the um, warm-up band. Oh, wow. So you had um, Anthrax as, as the warm-up band, Metallica as the supporting band, and um, Raven headlining. And, and the funny thing is, all of them got signed to a major... Metallica and Raven got signed to major labels from that tour, and eventually Anthrax got signed, but was later on to a, to a major. So, um, they, yeah, they released All for One, which was a killer album, and that was the first time I got into them. The first, first album I bought, ironically, my buddy Joe, who lives in Florida, I lived in Florida for a year, and I became good friends with um my friend Joe, who was still I'm still friends with today when I moved back to Connecticut he this record store after I left opened up and it was, I remember it was called Moondog Records and for some reason that record store in South Florida had every new fucking metal thing available before anybody <laughs> else did right uh, Joe had had Metallica kill them all before anybody else um, he had the Raven out before anybody else and I remember getting a package with him and it was shaped like know an album and in that package were two albums was so kill was them it all round or square you said it, it was, was round like it, was, it was well it was square <laughs> <laughs> like an album cover <laughs> and um in those um package in that package was kill them all and all for one by raven nice so that was my introduction to raven and metallica all on the same day um, oh, which cool. was awesome do you still have but, both those albums Yes, I do. Like those original ones that you got? I ha- have. Those are one of the few original ones I still that's have from my original ass, collection. Dude. That yeah, I got. That's fucking awesome. I got taped up and will probably never be played again. Hell yeah. That'll be in the Smithsonian, the CK yeah. wing of the Smithsonian. That'd be yeah. great. Yes, today on the Great Metal Motherfucker <laughs> Tour, off to the left, you see. By <laughs> the original Megaforce label. And, um,. Like I said, um, you know, that was my introduction to both those bands, and and nice. the Ra- both both albums were killer, and and you know Raven, I love that album just as much as Metallica, and, and it's a killer album to this day. It's you know the third album, and it was on Megaforce, and right after that, you know, as I said, they they got signed to a major label, and either back then it was either a blessing or it was a it was a curse and in this in this instance for this time being to me it was a curse for raven ah yeah that sucks when it changes them because eventually i did get those first two albums so i had the first three albums and you know there were three classic albums and they got signed to atlantic and um Obviously, Atlantic had their hand in um, their sound in 1985, and they released their first album, as far as um, major major debut, "Stay Hard." And I was like, "Oh my God, this sucks." I'm pretty sure I saw a fucking porno with the same title <laughs> once. You probably did. <laughs> now, "Stay Hard." That sounds like athletic rock. <laughs> That's athletic. <laughs> uh, that was now it became jock rock. <laughs> jock rock. Jock rock. <laughs> But but even now to this day, I listen to this album. And it's it's not that bad. Um, maybe maybe if it was the first album they put out, I would feel the same way. But 
They put that album out in 85, 86. They put the, the Packers back in 86. And Life's a Bitch in 87, and which was their last album for Atlantic. And that one was actually halfway, was, was almost back to the way they were. Um, and they were dropped, like most bands were dropped around 87, 88 because they weren't generating the sales like they were supposed to. Right. Um, the typical bullshit with a with a major. You know, you, either you, you you push sales or, you know... Make that money, motherfucker, yeah. or you're fired. Or, That's right. Or you get dropped and you don't have any room for to, um you know... But then again, you, a lot of times, like for Raven, they didn't give them the push they, were, they should have gave them either. Right. So, you know, so they were dropped and they went on to Combat Records... And right back, they 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 released now nothing exceeds like excess, which is like should have been the album right after all for one. Right. You know, so you go back on on a on an independent, and um, you know, you you pretty much have a say in what you want for the most part. Right. You do go back to doing yourself. it the way you, you want. You know, and at, at this time, I got to say that um, this is when Rob Wacko Hunter left the band was in 87 right after Life's a Bitch and ironically enough he went on to be a sound engineer um, and he, he won a couple of Grammys for sound engineering oh no shit yeah that's, well, um, that's he's cool like, he, he like he like does sound engineering for like all these jazz people like does he wear the Marcellus. hockey mask when he does it <laughs> no he, no, no he's he's got, he got a triangle like this <laughs> he's in no, like a by, suit and no, tie by, with the hockey by, mask by, 80, by 87 they were done with that they it was you know jeans I know, and, just being a fool. and leather um, would have been cool and, they got, and, and their new drummer was Joe Hasselander from um, used to be the drummer for Pentagram oh. okay nice so you know they went back to being heavy, fast, and rude um, in 88. And, you know, again, the albums just le right after that have just been the same thing. You know, better as they get older, just as nasty, fat. I mean, it's not like, you know, blast beat fast, but... It, right, it's, but it's fucking yeah. their style fast. Fucking yeah, it, shit. It's, yeah, especially for you know, the time, you know. Interlaced with, you know, some good heavy tunes. You know, and they've been pretty consistent from, you know, that time. You know, 91, they put out Architect of Fear. Um, 91 and 94, they had a little issue. Um, John Gallagher had a wall collapse on him. Damn. And um, he pretty much fucked up his legs. He broke, I believe he broke both his legs. And he was, like, laid up for them for a pretty most, for, for the most part of four years. Goddamn, Jesus. Uh, and they went on, a, they went on, a, they played some shows with him in a wheelchair. Um, singing and playing bass. Oh wow! In a wheel, like Sick. playing bass too. In a wheelchair. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. You know, not, um, not playing bass, but I did see Suicidal Tendencies with Mike in a fucking wheelchair. Oh, that wow. was pretty badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, I, I remember seeing that too. But um, yeah, and finally ninety four, the he um, rehabilitated. He put out Glow. Um, everything louder in ninety seven. One for All in 2000, Walk Through Fire in 2009, Extermination in 2015, and Jesus. just a couple weeks ago, they put out Metal City, which um, is just a fucking, it's a killer album. Um, 
just just you know this band has been together for that's 40 amazing, years man. oh 44 years that's insane <laughs> That's you know, fucking and they're st- older than me, dude. <laughs> yeah. no, and, they're, and they're putting out, you know, like Metal City is, is better than half the crap that comes out that's come out in the past ten years. Wow, that's amazing, you know, so, man! They can keep going like that. That's fucking awesome. You know, so they're still around. They're still touring. They got a new drummer, Joe Joe Havislander, had a heart attack, I believe, in um, 2014, 2015. So. He has been out of the game since then. Wow. They have a new drummer. Um, used to be in a death metal band called Malignancy. What? Damn. A, yeah, I mean, I definitely know. Malignancy. I know Malignancy. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, That's cool. Yeah, he was he was on Malignancy and played with um, played on the last album of Fear the Fear Factory album. Oh yeah. Damn. Um, and he's done a lot of session work here and there, but yeah, if you if you get a chance, check it out. It's available on. You know any streaming platform, and obviously you know buy the physical copy because it, it does help the band. Right, right. Um, you know because they don't get shit for anything you stream. Yeah. You know you pay. You know we got we got a deal because we pay seven bucks or whatever to stream. You know whatever you want for no limit for a month. Right. And and these guys take like you know a thousand streams to get like one percent of a royalty or something. Yeah, it's very you little. Know, so yeah. You, you, got, you got a good Lost Classic for us, CK, this time around. One I bet a lot of our listeners are not aware of. And it's and it's a it's a newer album that came out in 2017. Okay. And um, it, it's a collaboration between um, two people. It's um, Arduini Balik. And Arduini is Victor Arduini, original founding member of Fate's Warning. Right. Guitarist. Excellent. On the first two albums. Yep. And he also had um, another a couple other bands. Um, he's in a band called Ontario um, from Connecticut, who have a CD out on Bandcamp. And Butch Balick from Argus, who's like kind of a he's in a band. Argus is like kind of a, a kind of a doomy band, but kind of like a classic you know metal band right. type deal right. with doom elements. Um, and together they put together this fucking awesome six song album um heaviness it's doomy at parts heavy um dawn of ages it's it's available pick it up it came out in 2017 can you stream that ck i didn't look for it i i believe it is available streaming wise yes okay yeah, Vic uh, seems like a really good dude. I've never met him before, but I know he's a nurse, uh, so he's yes. got like a real job, and yeah, he, uh, uh, he's he's he, a hell of a guitar player, man. And he and he and he's the one who sent me the album before it was released. Oh, that's cool, man. Because I, cause everything I was going through was like that's when awesome. I um, when I found out it actually it was right after you left the first time when you visited. Yeah, was that? Um, did you meet him at the show at one of the Fate shows or no? No, no, I because he knew I was I was friends with um Bones and right John Arch and he and he and I friended him on Facebook and nice you know he knew my my story and and this, you know I found out that I had reoccurrence and right right well, going through cool. the um and he goes you know this might not help but at least take your mind off and he sent me the um 
the um, CD and the vinyl of um, oh wow, the that's albums. Awesome. That's really cool, man. That's really cool. I mean, I would have bought them anyway, but right. You know. But still, just the fact that yeah, like yeah. reached out to you like that. Yeah, like, that's, very cool. that's very cool. That's very cool. I have to play yeah, some of that badass. next week. Now, uh, of course, guys, we get to this point of the sh- uh, metal segment. Where we talk about what we've been listening, so we got to jam a little fucking piece of something here. So hang tight. Fuck yeah, some six six fucking six. Oh, I love the six six. Gotta love some onslaught. Love that song, and so that means we're gonna talk about what we've been listening to lately. Joey, I'm gonna start with you this time. What you been listening to? I know you've been digging that fucking Winger Christmas album you yeah. got, but <laughs> I, other than that, I mean, I tell you what, I fucking threw Laz Rocket Know Your Enemy in my CD player. I think I saw you post. Yeah, that I, I saw that. That stayed in there until today, and like on the way over here, I had to make myself changes. So I've been jamming that album, which I fucking love, and uh, now I got Sepultura Schizophrenia in there. Yeah. Oh nice. God. Yeah, such such a good album. Need to revisit that one again, CK. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that would be a good one to do. Chris, what about you, dude? I don't know. You I've don't been know. Busy all weekend. Like whatever music I listen to, it's just it kind was, of background. Yeah. That, I, hey, I've had that happen too. So when I'm at work, I listen to podcasts, podcasts. Or documentaries, and not music for some reason, which is right. stupid because I. Yeah, it's well, I mean, it, we have to do a lot of research for the show, too. So a lot of the documentaries getting ready for this. CK, what about you, man? Um, like I said, The Raven. Um, still listen to some Onslaught. Um, Zach Sabbath. This is a still killer. Yeah. Um, getting ready to to get the um, new um, Six Feet Under. So wait to see what that sounds like. Um heard the one song I'm digging that and obviously I'm digging the um the um New Fate's Warning song that's that's been um available. Yeah. Get get ready for that next month. Yeah, speaking of Fate's Warning, I listened to a pleasant shade of gray. I had a little uh, road trip to take and it was rainy out and that music seems to coincide perfectly with a rainy nice. day. So I was listening to that and then I've been jamming the shit out of some bear mace here the last couple oh, yeah. days. Holy shit, man. Charred Field of Slaughter. Fucking sick death metal from Chicago, Chicago. Joey. Yeah. Now does 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 he have do they have a physical copy available on that? Uh they do. I'm sure they do. They yeah. do. Their bandcamp page. If you go to their Facebook page, uh-huh. uh they have a link to their bandcamp and you could buy shirts. CDs, CD and shirt, different bundles. They got long sleeve, short sleeve, uh, girl shirts. They got all kinds of stuff on there. You and know amazing, you want yourself a girl shirt. So yeah, well, yeah, I, would, right. I would be able to pull it off, obviously, <laughs> with my svelte figure. But no, the uh, the artist that did the cover of Char- Charred Field of Slaughter is uh, Matt Altieri, who's obviously the same name as me. As far as I know, we're not related, but he used to play guitar in the band Deceased, um, and uh, he's an artist. He lives in Massachusetts, uh, but he did the cover. It's fucking sick, so I can't say enough about that, and uh, we're going to be doing an interview with the guitar player, Mark, uh, here coming up probably next weekend, so we'll keep you guys posted on that. I've also been jamming 
the new Armored Saints song, CK, and I bought my tickets for their 1010 yes, album it. release party at the Whiskey. It's all going to be done online. And I bought a ticket for that and get to watch it. I think you can watch it as many times as you want for th- two or three weeks. Uh, but that's, that's kind of cool. cool. I think it's neat that bands are doing it. Yeah, you know? I saw uh, Obituaries doing a couple of them, but they're yeah. going to see that death album and yes, slowly and ride slowly. Album. Yeah, I think yeah. that's fucking cool. Um, I think you'll probably see more bands doing that kind of stuff. I think it's smart. I mean, if I were in the band world right now, I would be trying to do the same type of thing, not only for something. a little revenue, but just to keep yourself in the you know the, yeah. the fans' ears, you know. Yep. So uh, so that's cool, and I'm looking forward to doing that interview with Bear Mace. Uh, definitely a cool band. If you dig Bolt Thrower, Jungle Rod, I don't know CK if you had a chance to check them out, but uh, I really like them. No, I, I I heard a couple things by them. But I was I wasn't able to find anything as far as you know the physical release of the album. Gotcha. Yeah, it's on their Bandcamp, so, so I'll have to check it out. Uh, yeah, definitely. And there's some new albums, you know, bands recording or wrapping up recording. I saw Exodus has been doing some recording, yep. which is going to be sick. Uh, anything else? Overkill. That's cool. Um, I saw one other band recently. Yeah, I'm really excited Shit, to hear remember. some new Exodus, man. That's. Whew. Always love to hear from them. So, they, Joey, they what always, about you? you? Know, What's going on with uh, the Gormonger stuff? I see your guitars are all strung up and ready, ready to go, polished to go. up. Yeah, I got some recording shit I need to get done. Uh, cool. Uh, I'm doing a song for our buddy Josh Ogden and uh, and um, Ian Bourne, their project club in Seals of Antarctica. Yeah. Uh, they sent me a track. I'm doing guitars over it. So I'm working on that. I'm working on the new Gormonger album. Uh, disfiguring the narrative and i actually i had put out a split like towards the beginning of the COVID. well i didn't i wrote the songs and everything uh four tracks for horror fans every song is about a one of the sleepaway camp movies oh cool and uh my buddy jesse from ohio and our other buddy justin um from vituperate and a million other bands but they got a band labial uh, uh liquefied labial meat <laughs> and they did uh they did five He's songs like, oh, that's, yeah. that's good stuff and they did five songs all about night of the demons those movies oh nice so both of them have a uh you know villain named angela so we put them together and we just released that split so that's on my label fuck the ass records and i got the test copies back so i've got them at my oh, house cool. but unfortunately i fucking i had submitted the wrong uh liquefied labial meat tracks so they weren't fucking leveled with my songs. Oh, no. And mine were, like, way louder, so it sounded like shit. So I fucking redid all that real fast, resubmitted them. Uh, the release date's October 1st, so I'll still get the digital put up proper. And those CDs should show up at my house anytime. So I've got the awesome. other ones. Kind of bunk. I'll just fucking give them away free with shit. Oh, sure. But uh, anyway, yeah, I, I'm really excited to write this new album. So. Awesome. Uh, HOI is coming up. That's in about a month. Heart of Illinois Fest 6. Right. Yeah, I can't wait for that shit. Yeah, on Halloween. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to knock on wood right now because Illinois is fucking shitty as it is with our governor and everything. Seems like they've been letting up on some of the restrictions for the COVID stuff up in right, Chicago, right. which for the rest of our state makes it look really good. And I was really worried that we were going to get shut down again sometime soon. I, I first saw it at least once yeah, before Yeah, I was elections. concerned with the big spike for my issue and yeah. stuff. 
So for it looks like we're moving past that. HOI still a go. Good, so. good. Yep. Very, very cool. Awesome. Uh, well, I think we've done plenty of fucking metal tonight. So, CK, what the fuck do we need to do? Get our mayhem on. You heard about that food truck taking Baltimore by storm, Nathaniel Barbecue and more. They've got the tastiest barbecue in town. I love their unique unique sandwich. Names like the crunchy Caucasian, the spicy Southern, or my favorite, the hungry human. Owner Joe Matheny says he puts a lot of love into every sandwich he sells. Only the freshest bodies. I mean meat. It's sold at Matheny Barbecue and more. Fighter truck on the corner of Bloody Rare Parkway and Cannibal Lane seven days a goddamn week. <laughs> it's been a while since I heard wow. that. Wow. Eat that my meat, funny. you fucking cunt. Eat my meat, you fucking That fucking uh, Dan Steinlicht, fucking uh, you, Chris, and, and fucking Crazy, crazy Mike Lanham. <laughs> Crazy Mike was so good in that. Right. <laughs> so ridiculous. So funny. Well, very good. We are in uh, Mayhem, and we're all eating some folk and nuts peanut butter here, getting psyched up for some hell coming. But we got a little uh, bit of music. We just played some Raven, uh, Mind Over Metal, and then the commercial we did, uh, funny commercial we did, of course, for Matheny Barbecue. So that's good, good stuff. stuff. Good shit, good shit. And uh, Chris, you said you had a mayhem story yeah, for us like tonight. So. You guys, bo- I asked you both, and y'all don't think we I We don't have, recall I don't, it, so. Right, so I'm going to tell this story. It won't go that fast, but. So it was me and a couple friends. We're uh, riding back from Cropsey, this town, I don't know, like 15 miles away from where I grew up at. Fucking Probably at a library or something. Yeah, that's what we were doing. <laughs> I fucking we're just ripping down the road and he's got this like convertible tops down and we're ripping down the road drinking beer mind you no yeah drinking beer mind you and there, there's a shocker end up fucking like he's doing like fucking 85 90 miles an hour and we're cruising end up passing a cop and nice. as soon as we get around the fucking cop the cop obviously flips his fucking lights on right, right? obviously so uh we pull over, blah, blah. The cop literally walks up, and he's like, what the hell do you call that? It's, dude driving's just straight up like, what? Like, like looked at him like, what? What do you mean? Wow. Like, what did I do wrong? He's like, what the fuck? So obviously, you could tell that there's alcohol in the car because there's a cooler full of beer sitting in between the passenger's legs and uh, open beer cans in it and everything else like that. And now this is a while ago. I was young as shit, so it isn't like this has just happened this weekend or nothing like that. Right. <laughs> like, no, not at all. <laughs> I mean, it could have. I mean, but you didn't get pulled uh, over. No, no. no, no. <laughs> but, uh, but it's, yeah, the passenger is a cooler and it's got beer and open, empty cans in it and everything like that. So obviously, and he gives the, the cop gives the driver a fucking the roadside 
fucking uh, sobriety, sobriety test. Right. And he's like, yeah, who else in here has been drinking? I was like, I've been drinking. And he's like, how many have you had? I was like, I've had like three or four since about two o'clock. And this is like six o'clock in the evening and shit. He's like, uh, right. he gave me the finger like swipe test. He's like, okay, you, he didn't take dude to jail or nothing. He took the passenger to jail because he was underage and the beer was between his legs. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> dude. And, he, <laughs> and now, mind you, I had been drinking all damn day. I should not have been driving either. But he's like, you drive. <laughs> Get this fucking car oh off the God. fucking road. Yeah, you <laughs> Yeah, dude. Also, wow. Like, and did, uh, <laughs> like uh, dude that owned the car, he's riding with. So, like, uh, I drive the car back home, and then we get there, and I'm like, hey, I need to borrow somebody's car to go get out of jail because I can't have that fucking car on the road. We got a friend in jail. Oh, we got to go bail out. So, I borrowed a car. Drove all the way to Pontiac from Fairbury. Fucking bailed dude out of jail. Fucking drove that car around the rest of the night and that was wow a dumb fun night <laughs> <laughs> damn that's pretty but yeah get crazy. pulled like literally we're rolling up on this car though like doing like 90 miles an hour i'm like oh that's a cop dude he's like no it's like i'm like yep that's a cop <laughs> the fact, wow it's wow, so fucked up <laughs> oh yeah that's good though that's good i don't recall that one so i think that's a fresh story so that's good <laughs> right on <laughs> all right well we got uh, hell coming round three guys definitely pumped up for this exclusively brought to you by Foca nuts eat the whole jar they sent in some samples we've been trying this shit ck you said you are very very picky about your peanut butter but you tried which kind did you get it's the um, white chocolate. Nice, and you liked it. I, I love. It's awesome. I love it. Yeah, it's really good stuff. Um, I've got a sample here, I got as this. you can hear by me talking right, right. in my mouth. I got this nuts about monster cookies, and this motherfucker shit's tight. Yeah, I got nuts about cookies and cream. It's fucking amazing, Joey. Which one did you get? Uh, I'm chomping on some nuts about cookie dough. Good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you could totally eat the whole jar of this stuff yeah. very easily. It's good on oh, sandwiches yeah. too. I like the crunchy. Um, they have plain. If you know these flavors aren't your thing, but you can go to Foken Nuts F O K K E N Nuts dot com and order some and support these guys. They're really awesome. I'm gonna make some fucking stuffed French toast with this shit. Oh, I bet it would be amazing. Yeah. It's great on ice cream. I've been putting it on ice if cream. If somebody it's has great. like an issue, like their fucking dog has gotten tired of the same old peanut butter, they should try <laughs> this out. Oh my God. That go dog's to gonna be like, I will lick everything. Yeah, it's really, really good. And the, the plain and the crunchy are just literally peanuts and salt. So there's no like additives in it. The other flavored stuff has some of that because of the added stuff to it but it's just they so good lit. south dakota bees company nuts. that's uh, so funny i love bees nuts yeah it's good stuff <laughs> um but yeah they're in south dakota and a home family run business so really really cool that they're sponsoring the hell coming contest and speaking of hell coming we came up with 32 serial killers killers crazy motherfuckers right and we we paired them up into 16 tag teams guys we're now third week into this down to eight killers they are and chris and joey you guys were eliminated in the first two weeks so Fuck. ck it's down to me and you 
There we go. So we're going to see what happens here. And I am playing for Chris of Flowery Branch, Georgia. And CK, who did you say uh, that you're playing with this week? Jello Nihilus from Hollywood, California. You mean Nihilus Jello? Nihilus Jello. I wonder if he was smart and changed the spelling of his name instead of going by Nihilus Jelly. (laughs) <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, well, Green Jello had to change their name. They're like, yeah, we'll go to Green Jelly. Yeah, right. And he's like, well, I'd rather just spell it different and keep Jello. Fuck you. There you go. go. Fuck there well, just like like when that band Green was it Green was Green Jelly. Yeah, yeah. But the original Green Jello yep. had to change it. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, that may be why he did it like that. That's pretty smart. Anyway, so you're playing for Nihilus Jello. I'm playing for Chris from Flowery Branch, Georgia. And good luck to both of the guys. Uh, and CK and I will be battling it out here. And this week, we've got a uh, uh, two tag team matches. We got in the first match, uh, who do we got going up against each other, Chris? Uh, we got Lizzie Borden and Dylan Roof going up against all H.H. Holmes and Willem Devin Howell. Wow, the Connecticut done. serial killer. That should yeah. be good. And Joey, what about in the second match? Your dog. Pee-wee, my dog, Dewey Gaskins and Charles Whitman, and they're going up against fucking Master Blaster. Oh yeah, Joe Matheny and Jennifer San Marcos. Joe Matheny and Jennifer San Marcos really need to win this whole thing. Yeah. That's just a great combination. Yeah, it is right. So the way we do this is based on the temperature it is right now outside in Hayworth, Illinois, where we're recording this, if it's an even number, or I'm sorry, if it's an odd number, the first uh, tag team in each of those matches would win. If it's an even number, then it'd be the second team's winning. So, Chris, right now, what is the temperature here? Fuck. Hold on. Uh-oh. That's fucking uh, yeah. 54 degrees. 54 degrees. It's fucking cold in this bitch. <laughs> it is pretty cold in this bitch. So Not in here, but I mean. No, in, outside it is definitely cold. So, so Even numbers. So it's an even number. So that means the, uh, let's see here. I've got it all figured out. Holy shit. It's an even Don't number, you right? Yeah. You said? 54. Okay. If it's an even number... The winners oh, of the match are the H.H. H. Holmes and William Devin Howell and Joe Matheny and <laughs> Jennifer San Marco. So those are the, the, the two that win. And based on the scoring, I can't believe it, but it's a fucking tie, okay? I'm not shitting you. I'm looking at it here. I'm not fucking around. I did the math before this because I needed to figure it out to make sure we were doing it right. Right. So I figured it out if it was an odd number or an even number. If it was an odd number, I would have won. CK would have been eliminated, and Chris from Flowery Branch, Georgia, would have won. If it was an even number, the way it was scored is I had eight points and CK had eight points, so it's a tie. So since we were already going to do an extra week of this, It'll now be Works to decide perfect. the winner. It actually worked it worked out as good as it could have because the guys are still alive. We oh, yeah, both so have Chris, Chris and Jello get round two. Nihilus Jello, <laughs> both of you guys are tied 
But have no fear. Next week, there will be a tiebreaker if there is a tie. There will be one. There will be one left and one, one tag team. One of us will team. walk out of the cage. And one tag team match left. I think Joe Matheny and Jennifer San Marco is the uh, crowd favorite, the favorite here yeah. <laughs> to win it. So very, very cool. So CK... You and I draw this week, uh, yep. but we set up the platter perfectly for the final week of Hell Coming, where the two listeners will get to battle it out one more time to see who the winner is. So that should be really fun. Brought so. to you, of course, by Folkin' Nuts. Folkin That's right. Nuts. Get Folkin' Nuts. Get Folkin' Nuts. Oh, we're going to get Folkin' good, Nuts. Good, good fucking peanut butter. It is really good peanut butter. So, all right. Well, thanks, uh, everybody. We're going to hit that outro. I think we've done plenty of mayhem here tonight. Fucking brutal, man. Dying fetus. Dying fetus is Dying fetus. shit, man. Chris? They rule. Yeah, they're fucking killer, man. Couple, uh, uh, couple subjected John to the beating. A <laughs> couple of John Gallagher's. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking hilarious. Very cool. Well, I think we did a good show tonight. Of course, that was Dying Fetus subjected to a beating. That's fucking wicked. We had some good bumper music tonight, though. Raven, Six Feet Under, and Dying Fetus. Uh, big thanks again to Tex for oh, coming yeah. on the show. Yeah, that was, was cool. Awesome having Tex talking about talking yeah. somatica. He knows what he's talking about too. And he you does. can tell he wants. He, he can tell I he know. wants to get into it. He's like, but I can't. Yeah, dude. there were certain things he had to hold back, like <laughs> yeah. procedures and stuff like that. But very, that, which very is that very understandable. You don't want to let that shit out. I mean, it's like fucking that. undeniable the uh, insight that he brings that we wouldn't touch on because right. yeah. he talks from that. Oh yeah, I mean, he worked death row in fucking Texas, yep. man both men and women i yeah. mean he's seen some shit so that's good stuff all right oh, uh, I, I, oh I, forgot, I forgot to tell you real quick yeah my, my buddy joe lives in florida he uh he works in a jail cell oh that's right yeah, yeah that's he, funny. He's, electric, he's electrician for um palm beach county or i forget what county nice nice jail that's I hilarious forgot, forgot working working in a jail another tie to yep. the jail that's awesome yep CK, who does your intro music? The one and only Chrysix. Fuck yeah. And Chris, Murder Metal Mayhem intro. All 012, getting her Fuck done. Yeah. <laughs> and then Joey, that's 666, 66 fucking 6 music by who? Bloody Onslaught. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Onslaught. <laughs> that's right. Uh, thanks to Folk and Nuts for being the sponsor of Hell Coming. Go to their website and order some today. Folkandnuts.com. Eat the whole fucking jar. It's I am amazing. eating the whole fucking jar. It's Dude, amazing. for real. Like, I, uh, I, I, should just, so, like, I had to put for, it away, man. Like, I'm like, real. oh, my God. <laughs> Don't miss uh, the last week of the contest next week where we decide the winner. It's amazing. We're in a dead tie at the end of this thing, so that's really good. Go check out SpellboundEffectsAndArt.com. Support indie artists like Tony Campagna. He's got a great online catalog. He's 
got a contest going on. You got to guess how many severed thumbs are oh, in yeah. this jar. <laughs> oh, I saw that. And if you win, then you get a bunch of shit. I put us in for it, CK. I guess sixty nine. And uh, if I win, of course, it'll be in here. So it's for the on behalf of Murder Metal Mayhem. Fucking but you guys right, can go right. on there too and and try it. So I'm not sure when it's when it's over. But go to Spellbound effects on facebook and watch for that post because you got to comment on the original post with the guess of how many thumbs are in the jar so thanks to all of you guys listening out there we keep seeing the numbers rolling in china is still the number two country right behind the u.s which is amazing um we appreciate everyone out there checking out the show we really do Chris, we got some good comments yes, this time. What's the first uh, one, man? We got Christine Conklin. Uh, my boyfriend has me hooked on this podcast now. We really love your podcast on Richard Crafts. We love Fargo, and someone mentioned it was based on Crafts. Excuse me. You guys fucking rule. Well, thank you very much. Hell yeah. yeah the, thank I you. Mean, what, I mean, Fargo. Right. Crafts. Yeah, who knows? We could have ended up on some chat room about Fargo and somebody said, hey, there's oh, yeah, this podcast about Richard Crafts. I don't yeah, know. A little, that episode. A little, murder, a little murder that happened just from where we grew up. I know, dude. Figure. That my mom worked for the attorney that was involved in the case is <laughs> right. even crazier. Yeah, All right. Thanks, Christine. Appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Joey, what's the next one, dude? Uh, Havana Night 66 commented. Listening from Liverpool. I love the Onslaught episode. Of six, course. Six, fucking six. Nice, nice. Well, thanks, Havana Night 66. That's awesome. Definitely. We've been digging on some Onslaught, and it is cool that they let us use that song. Yeah, so that's fucking, fucking cool. Yeah, it's awesome. CK, what do you got? Uh, third one there. Don Yancey commented, I've been listening to you for a year now, and every episode is better than the last. Love the podcast. Awesome. Fucking that's a Don, nice compliment it, there. Seems to be a consensus from everybody. We do really try, man. I'm telling you, I put a lot of work. I know everybody does, but uh, a lot of work goes into these fucking shows, man. And it's a weekly, so the pace is brutal, but we keep it going. And I'm definitely proud of what we've done, and we're constantly trying to make it better, you know. Uh, CK, uh, you read the third one. I'll read the fourth one. Sammy Simpson, 89, commented. The podcast you did on the Texas 7 was great. I used it as a reference paper for a college or a reference for a college paper I had to do on the case. That's crazy. I'm at the University of Iowa and a criminal justice major. You guys are awesome. I can't wait to hear the one you're doing on Attica. Well, Sammy, you got your wish. Here we are at the end of the Attica episode, but thanks for that. How would you footnote us in a, in a college paper? I have no idea, but I'm sure in the modern <laughs> well, so age, people, fucks, probably, right? <laughs> people probably use podcasts yeah. oh, as I mean, reference. I'm just wondering, because I haven't done a bad college. I've been it's out of been college since 92. So, right. Yeah. You know. I know. That's what I'm saying, is I have no idea. It's, um, it's awesome. <laughs> it is really cool. That's That was crazy when I read that one. All right, so go, don't forget to check out MurderMetalMayhem.com to listen to all the past episodes Except the bonus shit, which we're going to talk about here in a second. Yeah. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And in order to hear some of that bonus stuff, Joey, what do they got to do? Yeah, go sign up for that 666 Club at patreon.com backslash murder metal mayhem. Six, only three six, bucks a month. Fucking six. Only three bucks a month. Get it in. That's six, all it six, is. Six for three bucks a month. And they get Keep that Dahmer episode we did, and Tons we're getting ready interviews. to do one on who, Chris? 
Who's our next bonus uh, Patreon? Screen door. Screen, Screen door, door intruder. Yeah, Ramirez. It caught me off guard for a second, dude. I was like, wait, what? Right. Uh, we're going we're yeah, to refer to him as Screen Door Intruder like more than anybody ever has. And people are going to be like, what the fuck is this? What the fuck, fuck is yeah. this? It's just because we it. saw it one day and it was so stupid. It was. It stuck. I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> Let's get some t shirts made. Screen Door Intruder says. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. That would be funny. All right, so go to that uh, Patreon page. Uh, we'll link to all these in the episode description. You can also go to PeteAltieri.com if you want to pick up one of my books. I got some new stories I'm working on that 666 yeah. Express, and it involves all of us it, here it on Murder Metal Mayhem. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's about four metalheads on a train that promises to go 666 miles an hour and get from Dallas to Denver in an hour, and they win tickets, they get on the train, and they're all psyched, it's red, it's a 666 Express down the side, and they go in there, and they're hanging out, and everybody's like, party-like atmosphere, and then the door closes, <laughs> and it goes through... Uh, some little changes there so oh, i'm sure it does i can't wait I can't we're wait gonna to do an audio of that uh story and what we talked about doing is having each of you guys read your parts <laughs> i um, know that sounds like cool as shit that's awesome. gonna be really fun so that'll be good and that'll be a crazy one to put together but that'll be great so uh don't miss next episode we're gonna talk about the former insane asylum, the Peoria State Hospital. It's a very gruesome one. A lot of sad stories about that place. Haunted stuff. Um, and I was there. I walked that place. I wrote a lot about it. Done a lot of research. And I'm definitely ready to do it. So that'll be a good one next week. It'll be fun. Kicking off October with scary, yeah. crazy shit. We got oh, some yeah. good ones, Joey, right? So oh, fuck yeah. Got the uh, real, uh, the murderer uh, from The Exorcist, the doctor. The doctor that was in the movie, yeah. He, yeah, he actually played killed the doctor somebody. in the movie. Yeah, he was yeah. an actual murderer. Dude. So that'll be a That's good cool. one we're doing. Uh, and we're doing Yupa County 5, which yeah. is a great story, crazy one. Really creepy shit. And we're doing some HOI stuff because you're show coming up so it's gonna be some good stuff and recording the richard ramirez episode for our patreon yeah. members so that'll be awesome now we can't let him go without hearing another karaoke song i did nope, this one for all. attica yep. <laughs> so hope you guys dig it and crank it up and until next time keep one foot in the gutter and keep your fists in the air he's yelling attica 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 <laughs> <laughs> Completely wasting out of working down All inside it's so frustrating As I drift from town to town Feel as though nobody cares If I live or die So I might as well begin To put some action in my life Fuck yeah Breaking the law, breaking the law 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 So much for the golden future I can't even start I've had every promise broken This anger in my heart You don't know what it's like You don't have a fucking clue You can't
you did, you'd find yourself doing the same thing too, yeah! Breaking the law, 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 breaking the law. Break the law, break the law, break the law, break the law.